Uh, at this moment, we are live up in Marowa. We are live. Can we give a big shout out to all the crew? Give them a clap uh, right here, Mother. Give them a shout. No, they they can't. Come on, it's uh, how fun is this? We are here. We're all together and uh, hanging out in one spot through the wonders of technology that we live in. I feel like if this was like. I mean, 10 years ago, we would be like absolutely out of our minds right now. Like, I can't believe this. But nowadays, really, you're all like, you know, whatever, we FaceTime. Like, I've talked to people all on FaceTime there. But no, it's a pretty amazing thing. Welcome to all the crew in Marowa. It's fun to be on the LED. I feel kind of light and bright and colorful. I hope that's uh, working well. But uh, we're going to dive in. The reason we're doing this, though, the reason we're doing this, the reason we're uniquely doing uh, video through this series is because... We want to get our entire church over this next four weeks. I believe there's some things God wants to say to us. And we actually want to just hear together. We want to lean in together. We want to get exactly on the same page. Because momentum and the momentum that is built and the momentum we experience will happen as all across our church. We get moving in the same direction. You know, momentum is uh, a product of two things. Mass times velocity. I'm going to take you back to science class for a moment. Momentum, yeah, the excitement uh, over that. Momentum is a product of mass times velocity. It is this force that's kind of created and grows when you have mass that is, has movement to it. The bigger the mass combined with the more velocity and movement, the greater the experience of momentum. Momentum is a, a force that when you have it on your side, you just know it. And momentum is like this force that just makes everything easier. You see, it's possible to have something with big mass, but that has no velocity. Let's take a, a freight train for a moment. Imagine a freight train that is stationary, that's standing still. That freight train has a great deal of mass. It's huge. It's weighty. It's big. But when it's stationary, when it has no movement, no velocity, it has no momentum even though it has a huge mass. That freight train, when it's stationary, you could stick a small block of wood under one of its wheels on a track, and it will be powerless to, to move past it. But that same freight train, when all of its mass gets moving, and when it gets moving in a particular direction and with increased velocity, so much momentum is created that now you could stick you know, a whole tree in front of that freight train and nothing could stop it. That's how momentum works. Momentum for us as a church, it will be about our whole mass moving in a common direction. It's one of the reasons we're doing all these messages together because mass is about each and every one of us, every person who calls this place home, as each and every one of us who makes up the mass of who True North Church is, as each and every one of us begins to move in a common direction, that is where momentum comes from and how momentum is unleashed. Does that sound good? And the thing we know about even thinking about, you know, as a church, what would it look like to experience momentum as a church? We know this, the momentum we experience as a church, the velocity, the movement we experience as a church, it will never be greater than the momentum and the velocity and the movement being experienced by the individuals who make up this church. Every one of us in our walk with God, uh, he calls us forward. He always calls us to grow and to continue to move forward and to pursue him and to move towards him. And as we do that with velocity and movement as individuals, uh, that is where momentum will come for as a church that then moves together. But we will never have more momentum as a church than we are experiencing as individuals. And so I want to start this conversation about momentum today 
by talking about a prerequisite to experiencing momentum in your own walk with God and certainly a prerequisite for how we will experience momentum as a church with God. Prerequisites to take you back to science class for a moment. When you think about university, it's a bit like that or when you're studying this or that. There's certain things you want to learn and you want to know and you want to find out about, but then they always tell you, well, there's a prerequisite. There's something else you got to learn first before you can do that. And this morning, I want to really focus in on a prerequisite to momentum. That without this kind of quality in your life and without this mindset or heart set or, or just sort of this character quality in your walk with God, uh, without this one indispensable quality, you'll never experience momentum and will never experience sustained long-term momentum. It's a quality that we see in the life of Moses. Moses was someone who experienced God do incredible things in and through him in his life. And Moses... I think one of the keys to how he got to see so much of what God did and who God was. Moses was somebody that the Bible tells us God used to speak to him face to face like a friend speaks to a friend. Wouldn't you love that to be said of what your walk with God looked like? It was like you knew him face to face that he spoke to you like a friend speaks to a friend. I think we'd all love that. I want you to see something about Moses that I think helped kind of make him who he was, help him see what he got to see. In Exodus chapter 33, and we're going to look at these kind of five small, simple words that add up to one bold, almost audacious prayer that Moses prayed in conversation with God one day. In Exodus 33:18, Moses said these words, and they give us some incredible insight into who he was. Moses, he's talking with God, and he says to him these words. He says, now show me your glory. Here's Moses talking to God. And what Moses says to God is this in this particular moment. Now show me your glory. It's kind of a famous moment because Moses was like, God, I want to see more of you. I want to know more of you. Show me your glory. Show me the greatness of who you are. Show me the fullness of who you are. Show me more of you, God, than I have yet seen and than I have yet known. What you see kind of revealed in Moses in these five words and in this prayer that he prays to God is that Moses had the one indispensable prerequisite for experiencing momentum and forward movement in your walk with God, and that was a hunger for more. A hunger for more. Moses had a hunger for more of God. Can I tell you something? Without a hunger for more of God, we will never go forward with God. But you want to know what makes Moses' prayer right there, and those five words really profound. You want to know what makes it actually like a wow kind of revelation is when you begin to think about the context in which Moses said these words. One of our elders shared a devotion towards the beginning of the year on this and it got me reflecting about this particular moment in prayer of Moses and it and to be honest the more I looked at it and the more I just reflected on Moses in that moment the more it just kind of blew me away. Because at the moment when Moses says, show me your glory to God, I want you to think with me for a moment about all that Moses had already seen of God in his life. 
Moses, his whole life was really a miracle. He was, if you don't know the story of Moses, I'll give you a, a, a real quick snapshot here. And if you do know it, then let's just reflect a little bit on what life with God looked like for Moses. Moses' whole life started as a miracle where he was supposed to have been killed, but he was miraculously delivered. And he ended up growing up in the household of Pharaoh in Egypt while his people were slaves in Egypt. And at one point, Moses ends up having to flee Egypt, and he's out in the wilderness, and he's away from everything, and he's tending sheep. Maybe feels like as kind of this is all my life's going to amount to. And he has this experience where he sees a burning bush. He sees a bush on fire out in the wilderness and it strikes him and sort of takes him so by surprise and he's so intrigued by it because the bush is burning but it's not burning up. It's just on fire and he walks over and he goes to the bush and out of this bush that God has gotten his attention, God begins to have a conversation with Moses. Can you imagine getting to have a conversation with God at a burning bush? It's like a phrase we just use in vernacular, like a burning bush moment, and that's like as good as it gets. And Moses, in this conversation with God, God tells him, I want to use you to go rescue your people, to bring them out of Egypt. In this conversation, Moses actually says, God, tell me your name. Tell me so I can. And God reveals his name to Moses, the sacred name he'll be known by throughout the centuries. The name's so sacred, you know, Jewish people wouldn't even pronounce it. Moses has that kind of encounter with God. And yet he still in his life says, show me your glory. I've not seen enough. Do you know, after that moment, Moses... Just after that moment at the burning bush, Moses is told, you're going to go. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna take this staff. You're going to speak to Pharaoh for me. And Moses has this encounter kind of day after day and, and week after week through these ten, we call them the plagues, where, where basically what happens is God uses Moses to have a showdown between the Lord, who Moses uh, has, is, is the God of the Israelites, the great God of this universe. And God is going to use Moses to have a showdown between the Lord and the the gods of Egypt. And day after day, Moses is a part of seeing God demonstrate his superiority over every god of the Egyptians and show himself to be the true and rightful Lord. He gets to see, you know, water that's turned into blood and, and then back to water again. He gets to see frogs of all things. So many frogs unleashed that they just go everywhere. He just gets to see plague after all these things. Demonstration of power after demonstration of God's power over a sustained period of time till the point that Pharaoh finally says, that's fine. Take your people and go. Can you imagine what he got to see? And as if that wasn't enough, then on the way out of town, the Egyptians load them up with all their gold. And Moses has just seen the people who were slaves become, you know, completely kitted out and fitted out with all the gold of the Egyptians and sent free by Pharaoh. And now they're going and they're leaving, only they come to this moment where Pharaoh changes his mind, of course, and begins to pursue them and, and wants to come and to attack them. And they end up standing with an ocean in front of them, the Red Sea in front of them, water as far as they can see in front of them, and an army pursuing behind them. And Moses now has his whole nation with him. And he gets to strike his rod into that water and watch it Boom, water split to either side and his people cross through on dry land while water is stopped up in their midst. Can you imagine getting to see God do things like that? It's a moment that becomes almost like the prototypical moment for God's salvation and making a way. It's remembered for centuries. 
And if it's, that's not enough of what Moses got to see of God, there's, he goes on to Mount Sinai to spend 40 days alone and 40 nights on the top of a mountain with God, where at the end of it, he's given stone tablets that are handwritten by God. That'd be pretty cool. And Moses, after all that, it's time when there's time to kind of move on and, and move camp at this point. He's saying to God, please, your presence has to go with us. We need you to go with us. We want your presence to distinguish us and all these people. And God's like, okay, my presence will go with you. And after all of this and all that Moses has seen and all that Moses has experienced, Moses then says to God, show me your glory. After all that. You talk about having a hunger for more of God? Like, really? And you know what? You don't expect God to be like, seriously? <laughs> you want more? Like, Moses, you've already had your fair share, don't you think? <laughs> like, the bush, the burning bush wasn't enough. The, you know, the plagues, not just one, two, three, ten. That wasn't enough. Like, how about the Red Sea? Did you not kind of get to see enough of me? He used to go to a tent of meeting where we're told it was like God spoke to him face to face. Like, seriously, Moses, it wasn't enough? You know what it makes me think about myself? Do I have a hunger for more of God? Will I ever, do we ever grow tired or think, you know what, I've seen enough, I've experienced enough, or, or do, we, do I have in my own heart this hunger for God that says, I know there's more. I've seen a lot, God, and I'm grateful for all you've ever shown me and all you've ever revealed to me and all I've ever seen you, but Lord, I know this, I want to see more. Do you know, without a hunger for more, without a hunger for more of God, you can never have momentum because you never keep moving forward. The greatest thing that stops momentum is when we lose the hunger and the belief that there is more of God for us to know. That there is more of God for us to experience. Nothing is a, a momentum killer like losing your hunger for more of God. Nothing will kill momentum more than going, you know what, I've seen a, a lot already. And I, God showed me some things. And I've, I've been walking with him. Nothing will, will, will dry up the movement in your life towards God like losing your hunger for more of who he is. And what I love about Moses in that moment... You know, that he would say, show me more of your glory, and that God doesn't say, Moses, you've had your fair share. God doesn't say, Moses, don't you think that was enough? God doesn't say, Moses, come on, it's time for somebody else to have a turn here. God says, all right. You want to see more? You know what God says to him? He says, you know what? No, God basically says, I'll, I'll give you as much of me as you can take. He says, I can't show you my face because nobody can kind of take that much of me. But this is the moment where then God takes Moses and it says he kind of places him in the cleft of a rock. And in this incredible kind of, you know, mysterious way, in some way, God passes by him and shows him his back and pronounces his name. And Moses gets to experience so much of God that then this time he comes down and people see him and his face is glowing because he's been in the presence of God in such an incredible way. I have to put something over it to, to cover it up. Moses had a never-ending hunger for more of God. And my question for us this morning, even as we begin, would be to, to ask you and to ask us, and I ask myself, do I have a hunger for more of God? 
that no matter what I've seen, no matter how much I've experienced, to say, Lord, I know there's more. Because God is the one infinite, limitless. We will never know all there is to know of God. And there should never be a point in our lives where we, we could content ourselves. This is the one hunger that we will actually be satisfied by when we have a hunger for more of God. Because there is always more of God to know. Moses had that constant hunger. Do you know, I, I, I know this. Our momentum as a church and going forward as a church, it will never exceed the momentum being experienced in each of our individual lives. And I know that that nothing will dry that up like losing our hunger for God. And that's why my, my question to you, even before we dive into this series, is do you have that hunger for God? Do you wish you had more of a hunger for God? Would you ask God to give you more of a hunger for God? Because that is the prerequisite to ever experiencing momentum and forward motion as we know and walk with God. There has to be a hunger for more of who he is. And what I believe is that this would be a word for God to our church this year. I believe that what God wants for us as a church is momentum. I believe that what he wants for us is to be a church that is continually going forward. A church that is continually finding and knowing more of him and more of him as he is. And a church that is continuing to move forward in the things that he calls us to. Into seeing him move in powerful ways just as Moses did all throughout his life. Do you know this year, and, and, and this is I guess a little bit of what I believe this looks like for us as, as a church. The kind of journey of, of momentum for me kind of started in, in January. January this year, uh, if you weren't around, uh, if you've just kind of knew here in the last few months, uh, January this year came on the back of, you know, uh, kind of just an amazing uh, few months at the end of 2016. You know, it was a little bit of a, a Moses kind of moment where we kept seeing God do amazing thing after amazing thing. But it was a huge few months. The, the end of 2016, you know, uh, uh, we were getting ready to launch into our two locations up in Merrill. We were getting things ready. We were, you know, we called October, Blocktober, and spent, you know, the whole month, you know, all that goes into getting a place ready to open and outside and landscaped and working towards, you know, launches in November. We actually launched our campus up in Merrill. We had our whole church there for an incredible celebration. We saw amazing things happening in, in November, and it rolled into December. December. And as a church in December, we, we see God work in amazing ways. We had outreaches, only it was multiplied across two campuses. And, and we had everything that was happening through carols. And all I can tell you is by the end of December, midnight on Christmas Eve, when the clock struck and our final service for 2016 ended, I was spent. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been so tired. And I was tired and exhausted in all the best ways. It's just like, Lord, that was amazing. But make no mistake, I was, I was spent. And January came and it was great to kind of relax for a moment. It was great to, to just kind of go, wow, let's, let's just rest. In the beginning of January, I, I went to, I thought, Lord, you know, there's a fresh year starting. And, and I got to know where you're leading our church. And I got to know what you're calling us to. And I, and I spent a couple days, I went up to New Norcia to a monastery I went there thinking that I could be with the monks and they might give me a robe, <laughs> but they didn't. 
I was a little disappointed. In fact, they said, all the monks are not here. They tend to go to the city in the summer. And I thought, how funny is that? <laughs> I'm like, I got it's, it's, it's January. I want to go get away. The monk's like, it's January. We got to get somewhere, you know. It's, so I went there. But the great thing, I went there because I just wanted some solitude. I wanted some time alone with the Lord. I just wanted to be in his presence and see what he had to say. And, and it was, you know, sometimes I, I do that and you get with the Lord and it feels like he just keeps talking and talking and has lots to say. Didn't feel like he had a lot to say, but felt like, you know what, he was just kind of with me and felt this sense of his presence and kind of arresting me and refreshing me and all those things. And... Uh, as I was praying, and, and after about a day, I was just like, you know, Lord, what is, what's, what's your word for us? You have something for us for this year. What would you call us to? And I didn't get a, a there wasn't a lot of you saying, but there was one word that just kind of kept coming to me and impressed on me, and it was this word, momentum. Momentum. And I was like, Lord, I'm not sure that's the word for this year. I'm not sure I'm interested in the word Momentum. Were you around for October, November, December? I thought we were doing pretty good. If you want a word, I got an idea. How about chill out? <laughs> Maybe it's two words, but we could hyphenate it, you know? But I just felt him saying this word, momentum. I wrote it in my journal, circled it. That's all I got. Whew. Came back, back to reality, left the monastery. Re-engaged, never did see a monk. It was disappointing. Can I tell you one other disappointment? It's a side note, but it jumped in my head. Before we ever moved to Australia, when I started researching Australia, I saw this thing about how in Australia, uh, on one of the census surveys, one of the things that made it on there as a religion, because so many people wrote it in, was Jedi. Do any of you remember that year? Were you around? So many Australians wrote their religion other as Jedi that it made it onto their survey. And when I thought about moving to Australia, I was like, are you kidding me? There are Jedi in Australia? I imagine dudes in robes and lightsabers and needless to say was disappointed when I got here. But that's neither here nor there. But what happened, I came back and... You were getting ready to start. We were getting ready for our first elders meeting. Our chairman of our elders, Brian Smythe, said to me, uh, he sent a message. He said, hey, Dean, could I have the first kind of 20, 30 minutes of our, our first elders meeting? There's some things God's been speaking to me that I want to share. And I was like, for sure you can, because I feel like I've got nothing to share. And I was really excited about that. And Brian came, and it was our first meeting of this year. And he was speaking to everybody. He said, I've been praying. And, and these are some of the things God's been speaking to me from the scriptures. And he began to go through some stories of Elisha. And, and he was working through a number of stories. And I was sitting there, and I was listening. And it was nice to just kind of sit and listen. And I was kind of sitting back in my chair. And he kind of went through all of it. And I thought, wow, this is beautiful. And he said, and you know what? And there's one word that God's kind of given to me out of all this. And he put up a slide with a photograph. And one word that was written there. And it was the word momentum. And I said, man, and it was like in that moment, I tell you what, I sat forward, I can tell you that. And all the, the parts of me that felt like, oh, Lord, really? Oh, Lord, really? Is that really what you want? Every part of it was washed away. And man, I felt life right through my whole body and right through my bones because I knew what God was calling us to. And when God calls you to something, and when God speaks something to you, it's amazing how it, it just kind of gives you everything you need to start moving towards it. And for the last few months, we've been praying as an eldership and talking about what does this mean for us as a church? What does this look like? How do we actually pursue this? And, and I tell you, in so many ways, it's a word that just kind of has stuck with me, and God's used it and led me through it. And, 
And there's, a, 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 I guess, a, a few things that I think it, it means for us. And the first is very much what I was just talking to you about. I think it is God's call to us to say, do you have a hunger for more? I think God would say to us, are we a people who always have a hunger for more of God that keeps us going forward and from ever wanting to kind of sit back and think we've seen enough? I think it's one of the things God would say to us. And one of the things that this has turned into for us that we believe God's calling us to as a whole church, that if we as each as individuals have that hunger for God and for more of him, and if we as a whole church across our campuses and across our services could come together and move in one direction together, that that is what God is calling us to that will actually enable us to go forward with momentum. Momentum will be a one-year kind of 12-month initiative to try and bring our whole church together around the vision that God has given to us and moving towards it with momentum. You see, our last year we began to talk about this 10-year vision that God has given to us, a 10-year vision to become a center for renewal as we passionately pursue the presence of God. Do you know over our last five years, our mass has grown. We've had more people who've engaged. Our church in the last six months, our mass has grown by about 25% alone in just that time. Over the last five years, our mass, if you will, our congregation, our, our, our church has about doubled, just over doubled in five years. That's an amazing thing, not because it means we're so great, but because it means God's doing something. Do you know what we imagine is that in 10 years, when you try to describe True North Church, the thing you would say is it's like that place is a center for renewal. Those are a people who passionately pursue the presence of God, who hunger for more of him, and it's like they're just this center for renewal. That what's happening in them is spreading outward. We imagine not that 10 years from now our church would be larger, but we dream of a future where the church of Jesus Christ would be larger. That's what a center of renewal is all about. And we think about on the road to that over this next 10 years, we know the next three years, the next five years, on the way, there are things that we've got to move towards. These big rocks, we call them, these kind of key priorities, uh, that two plus one, that we would establish two campuses. And we've done that now in the last six months into two locations. We want to establish those well and be praying for a third and saying, God, where would you call us and what would the next thing look like so that we're open and seeing more people have an opportunity to know your love and light in their lives. We imagine that we, we could be a part of reimagining evangelism, saying how do we be a part of actually finding new and fresh ways that will communicate the gospel to people who would never otherwise encounter it or know it or understand it. The Center for Renewal will only happen as people engage the gospel for the first time. Leadership pipeline that we would be a place that is building and developing every person to their full potential in Christ. Because the number one thing that would ever be a lid on what God could do through us will be people who have risen to what God is calling them to in his kingdom. Every person, everywhere. Reframing spiritual formation that we could help uh, just change what it, the whole process looks like. That every person who knows Christ to actually have God heal their soul from the inside out to live in the fullness of Jesus and the life that he has for us. We imagine 10 years from now being a part of a movement like that. And what I want to tell you is I believe this next 12 months, and we believe that over this next 12 months, there are some steps that we could take as a church that if we all come together around them, that in fact, we rather than kind of sit back and think it's time to relax, that we could actually move forward with momentum towards these things. 
that we could actually position ourselves for long-term sustained momentum, that momentum wouldn't be something we had for six months or even a year or, or, or a couple years, but rather that we could position ourselves to see long-term sustained momentum towards the vision that God has called us to. And so ultimately, over this next 12 months, for us as a church, we believe there are three distinct initiatives that if we pull together in this year uniquely and make a financial investment, and work towards them with, with resourcing of, of our church in every way. That if we pursue a few initiatives that take us not just what would normally happen, but forward with momentum, that actually if we lean into that together as a church, we could position ourselves for long-term momentum. And there's three distinct kind of growth initiatives we're calling them out of momentum, that if we lean into these the next 12 months, we believe will position us for momentum into the future. That will keep us from, for the next 12 months, kind of going, you know what, let's just relax. But instead, no, Lord, where are you calling us and how can we move into that? Here's a, 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 a snapshot of three things that I think we can do uniquely this year that will take us towards that future in a sustained kind of way. The first is this, is solidifying our financial foundation for the future. You know, it was four years ago this church rose in a, an initiative called Go Beyond that kick-started all the generosity it's taken to, to move things forward up in Meroa and a number of things across our church over this last four years. That was four years ago. And all the generosity that was unleashed over that two years has done an incredible amount. And we have, uh, we have a, a lot of long-term plans, even in what we've developed up in Marawa, and as things are, are ramping and growing, that there's a long-term uh, plan for how that place will be strong and sustainable. But this year represents a year to say, you know what? Every, every time you do a new enterprise, every time you do an initiative, every time you're a first home buyer, the first year is always a key year. And that if we give generously in this first year, we can lay a foundation so that we actually move into the future from a place of strength, whereas God opens doors to us, we will keep ourselves in a position to be able to walk through them. If we sow generously in this year, I believe it will lead towards momentum that opens doors in the future. The second growth initiative is to resource the kind of rapid growth that we're experiencing and to keep building leadership development through staffing. You know, our church in the last six months, 25% growth. That is not normal and doesn't just happen. And one of the things that we want to do is make sure we're doing more than just building a crowd, but we're developing people. And if we're going to resource the kind of rapid growth God is doing amongst us in a way that's going to be sustainable and build momentum into the future, then we're going to have to, as a church, resource that through some key staffing moves so we can both steward well what God is doing in our midst and focus on building people for the future so that we're able to continue moving towards the goals that God has put in front of us. And the third thing that we want to do this year, over the next 12 months, is to take the next steps in the planning and redeveloping our Mullaloo campus for effective outreach. Last year, we developed a master plan for this location to say, you know what, what we're seeing and experiencing and what we've been able to create up in Marowa, to, to not say how do you build a church, but how do you build a center for the community so that you can be the church in fresh ways. We want to take all those same lessons and apply them right here. 
and say, how can we ensure that we are stewarding what God has given us here so that it is not just a, a building we come and meet in where some things happen, but actually we are maximizing it as a place that is a doorway and building bridges to those who are far from Christ. So that it is a well, that one of those centers in the community where people gather, and the more they gather, the more opportunity they have to experience Christ. People who would have never otherwise darkened the door to say, that's a place I would go to. I'm not looking to say, well, this 12 months, let's, let's start another construction project. But here's what we do want to do is to take that master planning and, those, and that work and actually continue the planning stages so that we can break it all the way down into clear uh, strategies, phases for the future. Because here's what we know. As we plan things, as we dream them and envision them, it's amazing how when you actually dream and envision something, God begins to pull you towards it and open up doorways and resources that would have never happened if we just chose to stay put. You know, one of the things that we want to bring over the next 12 months in particular as we try to move towards a more effective place for outreach is, is to bring all the plans for one of the spaces you would have seen last year in the master plan, the frontage on Scafella Avenue. And we want to create a very unique community space there with a playground that is accessible uh, to the public and that completely changes the welcoming nature and the openness of the whole front of our building. That actually, instead of looking and seeing a giant brick wall in front of you, you would see the kind of unique, beautiful community space and playground that lets anyone know, I'm welcome in this space. That brings parents with young kids who would have never even realized there was a church here and that will begin to come and to, to encounter all that God is doing in this place. You know, one of the goals with this, just as we've done things up in Maryland, we're not just, hey, how do we put a playground that looks like anywhere else, but how do we do something unique, something that actually, uh, we, we serve a creative God, and we want to do spaces that actually are the kind of spaces where people are like, I love to go there. I drive across town to go there. And as people are here, we're creating a space where they're going to cross a bridge to actually come closer to God than they would have ever imagined before. We're seeing it happen in so many ways up in Maryland. We want to see more of that. People far from God who are starting to get pulled closer and closer to who he is. Yes. You know, the, the thing about, about this and the plans and the, and the moving towards it, if we don't dream and we don't plan, it's amazing how you, can, you could just end up kind of stuck. And we could leave some of the dreams and visions God's given us. They could end up on a shelf somewhere for a year. Or we can continue to move forward them and say, you know what? Yes, this will take us moving forward. It will take all of us kind of pulling together. But when we do those things, it's amazing how God provides. You know, last year we received a million-dollar Lottery West fit-out grant for the hub we created up in Merwa. The largest grant that's ever been given to a church. Can I tell you something? If we didn't dream something that seemed impossible at the time, it would have never happened. And this year, we got to continue to dream dreams and see how God is going to open up doorways in front of us. You know, this is, at the end of the day, I, I, these are three strategic moves that we believe God is calling us to that will actually build more momentum this year. We've seen momentum building, but they'll also position us for long-term momentum. It's not just for six months. It keeps us going towards those long-term goals that God's called us to. Now, momentum, over this next 12 months, there's two goals that we've set for momentum. Here's the first one. In order to see this happen, this is what it will take. The first goal, the primary goal of momentum, is we want to see 100%, each and every person, all of our mass, every person who calls this place home, 
that over the next four weeks would have an encounter with God as it relates to your generosity and your ownership of God's mission for us. You see, momentum comes, and, and God has always so arranged and aligned things that the church, it is his people, and he resources the church through his people. And as we prioritize Christ in our lives and respond to his generosity to us, that is how God's church goes forward. And what we want to see over the next four weeks would be, can you imagine this? Imagine with me if this happened, that each and every person who calls this place home over the next four weeks was willing to go before God and say, you know what, God, I, I'm hungry for more of you, and I want to just come before you, God, and say, everything I have is actually yours, and I just want to have an encounter with you where I say, God, what would you have me invest in this season? What would you have me release for the things that you're calling us to as a church? Because God, it's all yours. And God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this place. Imagine if every single person did that. I can tell you, and, and, and what we will ask every person to do is to have an encounter with God. And then four weeks from now to fill out a card, intention that says, you know what? This is what I believe God's speaking to me to give this year. And, and that is a moment that is simply reflective of saying, you know what? I have sought God. This is what he's called me to. And I'm moving forward. I'm taking steps of obedience. And if our whole church does that, whether we reach the, the funds it will take to do this or not, I can tell you what, we will unleash momentum. And I can tell you this as well, if we, were, if we raised all kinds of money, but people were not actually seeking God and having encounters with him, then it will not be the kind of momentum God wants for us. And so the first thing I just ask each and every person, over the next four weeks, is you willing to have an encounter with God as it relates to your generosity? Jesus tells us where, the, where our treasure is, is where our heart is, and to actually just say, you know what, God, I'm willing to ask the questions and talk to you about this and engage with you and say, what would you have me give in this season? An encounter with God. The second goal of momentum is to raise what it will take to do everything that we have been doing and to reach those three growth initiatives is we're setting one target of one, just over one and a half million dollars for the next year. That if we were to reach that target, as a church, we always use what's called a one fund. We don't sort of say, hey, if you're excited about this, give to this. You're excited about that, give to that. We say, this is what we believe God's calling us to. This is the target. And if every one of us seeks God and gives towards that, that's how we move forward. That's where momentum comes from. What that would effectively mean for us is raising this next 12 months, if we're going to do everything we've been doing, but actually move towards those three initiatives, it will take raising an additional $500,000 that we would not have expected for this next 12 months. Last year, our last financial year, our total giving, if you were at our AGM just recently, our total giving for that year was just over a million dollars, a million and 68,000 dollars. Incredible. So grateful for what every person does here to be a part of what God is doing. What we're saying is that if, and if we were to just kind of continue as is, that's what we could probably expect for the next 12 months. But we believe God is not calling us just to Stay still, but to go forward. And, and for us to achieve those three key things that we believe he's calling us to, it would take, that is basically what it would represent is about a 50% increase in our offerings in the next 12 months. I can tell you something right now, that is a bold goal. That is, a, that is not uh, something that's just going to happen. That is something that, that can't be done by a few. That is something that will require mass times velocity. Each and every person seeking God and saying, how do you want me to be a part? Here's what I know. If our whole church over this next four weeks, 
will actually come before God and just say, Lord, would you show me what you'd have me do? God, I, I'm so passionate for you and the things of your kingdom. I'm willing to ask the questions. I may not know the answers, but I'm willing to ask that question. I'm willing to seek you on this. Here's what I know. That would unleash momentum. Mass times velocity. I want to give you one picture of what this looked like for us. You could take that down for now. But I want to give you a picture of my own life of what this looked like. You know, I never... I would never ask anyone, one thing, you know, I would never ask anyone to do anything that I've not done first. And, and so my wife Lisa and I, as we knew this kind of season's coming, you know, we, we, we began to talk and pray about, you know what, what's God asking of us? Let's have that encounter with God. Let's be willing to go before him as it relates to our generosity and say, God, what would you have us do in this season? And we said, and we've done this in different seasons and moments, and, and we said, you know what, this time, how about this? You go away. I said, you know, at least how about you go and you pray and just ask God what you think he wants us to increase by. And I said, and I'll go away and I'll do the same thing and then let's come back together and talk about it and try to get a sense of what we think God's calling us to. And she said, well, look, I don't really, I, I don't know how I'm going to pray for an amount because, you know, I don't really know exactly what we give. I mean, she was like, I know we give, you know, we give it 10% is always our, our minimum. We always give over that. Believe wholeheartedly the first 10% of everything that comes to us from God, we give into his church and everything else is beyond that. And she knows that and she understands that. But she said, you know, in our family, I do the, the budgets. I do the spreadsheets, the bills, the finances. You impressed? Are you surprised <laughs> that I use a spreadsheet? I think, you know, sometimes think, you know, all these good looks and everything that might not know spreadsheets. But, um, <laughs> Just kidding, just kidding. Also, to clarify, my wife's a math teacher, so don't in any way interpret this like she can't do those things. It's just the way, you know, the way we, we run things. So she said, I don't really know what's a lot, what's a little. Like I know, I said, look, don't worry about it. Just pray and ask God to give you an amount. I think this is a season for let's have some encounters with God. And I said, and I went away and prayed, and I thought, you know, God, I don't want to just kind of look at my, I'm looking at the budgets and the spreadsheets and the bills and going, you know what, well, maybe if we do this and if we try that and we put that and we move and, you know, maybe how can we do this? But I was like, God, I don't want to just, and I kind of felt like, okay, maybe this is what we should give in this. And I felt like, God, I don't want to just, just kind of mathematics my way to this. I don't want to just, here's what I think is possible or here's what I think is impossible. And so I better, you know, I, God, I want, what do you want from us in this? What's that going to look like? And so I kind of worked at it from that side and eventually had a number and thought, okay, all right. God, I think that's what you're saying. I, I don't, is, this, is this what you want? And so then one night after a couple weeks, we were chatting. I said, hey, have you been praying? You know, what's, what's God saying to you? And, and Lee said to me, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Look, I just have one number. I wrote it in my journal. I was praying. I just have this one number. And, uh, but I don't know if it's a lot. Like, I don't know if this is ridiculous. And you're going to laugh and be like, that's outrageous. Or, or you'll say, oh, that's so little. How could we? You know, I don't know. It's just the number I had and I wrote. I said, well, what's the number? She said the number. I said, the exact number I had. And it was one of those moments. And here's what I want you to get about this. And we've had lots of different seasons. It hasn't always worked for us like that. Or we just felt so clear. But here's what I, I do know is this. The moment she said that, and I knew God had spoken, any fear, any pressure, any trepidation I had about what we were going to give was gone in an instant. And I had nothing but and still have nothing but peace over what our giving will look like this next 12 years. 12 years? 
12 months? I did not write 12 years on any card. Oh. All the, hey, is it too much? Is it too little? Is it, you know, God, I, I don't, what's going to happen? All that's gone because, you know what? We didn't just kind of come up with a number. We had an encounter with God where he showed us something that he wants us to do. And as it worked out, you know, for us, it, 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 will, it will be a great step forward, but I, it will be a big step up, and yet I feel, we feel nothing but joy about it. And I want you to know this. This would be my hope for every person who calls this place home, 100%, each and every one, our whole mass, that simply over the next four weeks you'd be willing to say, God, how would you have me be a part of this? And the greatest thing that will happen is not an amount that you write down. The greatest thing that can happen is the encounter you have with God. And sometimes nothing makes those things more real than going, Lord, all the way down to how this impacts my day-to-day. All the way down to how this will impact our next 12 months and the decisions we make. All the way down to how this affects my priorities and what I'm working towards and leaning towards. If every one of us, I mean, to have an encounter with God that is so real and so tangible, there's nothing greater that can happen. And the thing that will matter won't be the amounts and the numbers that are written on those cards. The thing that will matter will be the people who had those experiences with God. Momentum. Momentum. What if we're actually just on the beginning of what God wants for us? What if some of the things we used to think were extraordinary, God wants them to be more normative in our lives? What if, what if there's, you know, another step and another step? And what if over this next four weeks, a whole mass, our whole church, we'd all get on the same page and say, God, we want to seek you on this. And we want to move together as one in one direction towards the things you have for us. I think maybe, just maybe, some momentum will be unleashed, that we would see some things happen we've never seen before. Because there is always more of God to know. There is always more of God to experience. There is always more that he wants for us. And this morning, I just ask across our whole church, I ask you to consider two things. One is to ask this question, to make it a prayer to God. Would you, would you begin this process by just saying, God, would you give me a hunger for more of you? That before we engage in anything else, would we just ask God to give us a hunger for more? Because it's a prerequisite. We'll never experience more of God. We'll never uh, step into the things he has for us if we do not have a hunger for more of who he is. Would you ask him and pray that bold prayer just as Moses did? God, show me more of you, your glory, the fullness of who you are. Would you give me more of that hunger? And the second thing I'd ask across our whole church to consider doing, that over this next four weeks, you would just commit to doing one thing, making a commitment. You don't know today, and and we'll be unpacking all this next four weeks, but would you actually be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to commit to making a commitment. I don't know what this is going to mean. I don't know what the answer is going to be. I don't know what this will all look like, but Lord, I'm willing to engage you in an encounter as it relates to generosity and me being a part of your mission here. I'm going to commit to just saying, I'll make a commitment. I'll pray, I'll seek you, and I'll bring a card with me four weeks from now to say this is what God has spoken and I'm committing myself to it. Because if the whole mass of who we are steps forward with that kind of velocity, I know that we will see God unleash some momentum in us over this next 12 months that we will move forward with great momentum towards the things that he's called us to. And I think it's as simple to start out as saying, God, would you give me a hunger for more of you? 
and being willing to just say, you know what, I don't know where this next four weeks will take me, but I'm going to commit to making a commitment. I want to invite you to stand. Would you stand here in Marowa, uh, across our church? Let's just stand together. And I want to pray for us because I believe this next four weeks there's a lot God wants to do in our hearts and he wants to wire into our DNA. And I believe there's some encounters he wants to have with us. And I want to just pray for us as we start in this space. Would you bow with me? And if today you want to join me in this prayer of asking for a hunger for more in particular, I invite you to maybe just place your hands out open before you as we ask God to pour out a hunger for more on us as his people. Heavenly Father, we ask in this moment across your church that you would pour into us a hunger for more of who you are. That, Lord, we would never grow tired of seeking after you. We would never lose our passion to pursue you. But that, God, there would be within us a hunger for more of who you are. A hunger for the things of your kingdom. A hunger for your presence and a hunger for your words to us. And so, Lord, today I ask that the beginning of this journey would be a pouring out of your hunger. Upon us, a hunger for you. Ignite our hearts. Call us forward. Relight flames. Let us not grow weary. Let us not lose our hunger for who you are. Would you pour it out by your Holy Spirit? We want to want you more. Would you pour it out by your Holy Spirit? And Lord, I just ask that over this next four weeks, you might do a work in our hearts as individuals and as a church and the whole mass of people that you have called here that we might move together as one, as a people who seek you above all else. Lord, I pray that over the next four weeks, we'd have encounters with you where you are speaking to us, where we hear your voice, where we know you're leading. And I pray that at the end of all this, Lord, we might be a more generous people, more passionate for you and for your kingdom than we have ever been before that we might be able to move forward in joy and in strength and with great momentum because we know we are stepping into the things that you have for us and we are right in step with your spirit. And Jesus, we acknowledge you as the head of your church. We acknowledge that you are the one who leads and guides and directs. We are your body. You are the head. And we ask that we might be in tune with what you're speaking and doing in our midst. That we might be working in concert with you and step with your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, we might see the future we imagine one day, your church renewed across this city and across this state, out even beyond that. That, Lord, we might be moving towards the piece of that puzzle you would ask us to play, the things that you would call us to and what you're doing, so much bigger and broader than us. And so, Lord, across our campuses today in Marowa and in Mullaloo, would you let your spirit pour out? Would you build faith? Would you build hunger? Would you build joy? Would you just draw us closer to you to hear your voice? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to spend some time, both spaces, and I love to think about right now a group just like this up in Marowa, and here we are, you know, an army of Christ followers, this army of love that God is building. Let's spend some time now just leaning into him, into who he is. Let's spend some time worshiping him in song, lifting our voices together, seeking after him right where we are. Let's sing.